Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Beautiful Business Series. Back again this week after a break. And we're going to let people trickle in here for a minute. Um, if you have not already joined my email list, I would encourage you to do that. You can do that at probably the easiest place to do it is at moneyschool.works. That's the URL. Still, uh, still in the process of setting up a website where people can sort of sign up directly for this information. But if you go to the Money School website, sign up for that newsletter, then you'll hear from me on Thursdays. And there will be a link uh, periodically in those emails that will invite you to um, hear specifically about the beautiful business, one-on-one -on -one coaching, this whole, this whole, uh, this whole topic. Also, I've I've had several emails from people appreciating the content. I appreciate the appreciation. It's always great to know that what you're doing is helpful to people. Uh, if you are finding this helpful, the biggest way to thank me today is to share the podcast with a friend, a peer, a colleague. Let them know that um, we're over here talking about the business of coaching, maybe in a different way. That could that could be beneficial to them along with the other work we're doing. Let me just do a quick check, by the way, is uh, audio good? Am I sounding right? Is the connection solid? I've had a couple of coaching calls this morning and I wasn't sure if the connection was bad because of my internet connection or the clients. Thumbs up. Good to go. All right. Okay, great. Today, I uh, let me put my slides on the screen here. And again, for those of you who are not, who are listening to this, um, the audio you're not missing much with the slides. I use the slides as a guide for me, but I don't put a lot on them. So you are not, you're not missing much if you're just listening to the audio. This is the first in a series uh, that I want to do about marketing and sales in a one-on-one -on -one coaching business. And if you haven't listened to episode two, well, actually episodes one and two are probably both beneficial to helping you understand uh, what I'm talking about today. But I want to start doing a series on marketing and sales of a one-on-one -on -one coaching business because I think it is very different from marketing and selling in a training business. But I think that the type of marketing and sales that get that get taught online are by people with training businesses for people who want training businesses, have training businesses. And so I want to talk about a slightly different approach. And I want to do it through the metaphor of gardening. If I were going to do a metaphor for um, how training and teaching and training businesses are sold, I would probably call it mining. And in fact, in some of the classic self-help literature and uh, you, you hear about mining for gold and being three feet from gold and all of these kinds of things, I actually think it can be very beneficial to look at things that way. But I think marketing and selling training businesses are like mining because you're sort of churning through ore, you're churning through raw material. Just You're just trying to dig up enough stuff that eventually you can find the little bits of gold and separate those bits of gold. And that's how you end up with the treasure. But I don't think that's how marketing, uh, how marketing and selling a one-on-one -on -one coaching business has to be. I think gardening is a much better metaphor. So... I want you to be thinking about gardening as we talk about this today. And I want you to, I want to start with the idea that conversations are relationship seeds. 
every time I have an interaction with a person, especially a person that I haven't interacted with before or that I haven't interacted very much with very much before, I'm planting the seeds of a relationship. We're getting to know each other. I'm hearing about their hopes, their pains. They're hearing about my hopes, my pains, our goals. We're just talking to each other. Some of you might, as I as I start to work into this metaphor, you might think that I'm being very that I'm being uh, I'm talking about very specific contexts. And when I say that, what I mean is you often hear people say, "Oh, I do mini sessions, I do consultations, I do freebies." We we use a lot of this kind of language in our world. All of it's fine. I don't use most of it. But when I talk about conversations as relationship seeds, I'm talking about all conversations. Every time I interact with someone, I'm I'm planting the seeds of a relationship. And in a one-on-one -on -one coaching business, it is ultimately relationships that drive the business forward. So when I'm having conversations, when I'm meeting people, I'm planting these seeds. I'm putting them in my garden and I'm hoping that they will eventually bear fruit. And we'll talk about what that fruit is because it's, sometimes it's money, sometimes it's not money. There's a lot of ways. There's a lot of different fruit available to us in our coaching businesses. Conversations are also water and fertilizer. So not only am I, am I planting seeds as I have conversations with people, but I'm, I'm nurturing those seeds with more conversations, with future, with ongoing interactions. Now, again, speaking about specific contexts, sure, we can talk about social media content, we can talk about newsletters, we can talk about video, we can talk about audio, podcasts. We can talk about specific contexts a lot. But from a principle perspective, you know, zooming out on this whole thing, every, every future interaction we have with a person that we've we've had a conversation with in the past is the water and fertilizer that will grow that relationship. I I want to frame it up for you that way because it's it's a it's a nurturing paradigm as opposed to a like digging and processing or paradigm, right? I'm not interacting with people because I'm trying to quote unquote, get through the numbers or move people along the funnel or any of those things. I'm having conversations because I'm watering and fertilizing seeds that I've planted yesterday, a week ago, a year ago, a decade ago. I'm watering and I'm fertilizing. I think you can feel the difference as I say it. I think you can feel the difference as I say it. It's a very different paradigm. This whole thing is built around the idea. This whole philosophy or hypothesis or whatever you want to call it is built around, around the idea that if my goal is to have a one-on-one -on -one coaching business, I don't have to view other human beings as transactions. That's what most marketing and sales coaching training offered to us does it, it really asks us to view 
human beings as transactions in the form of numbers in an advertising campaign, numbers of subscribers on an email list, open rates on our weekly newsletter, likes on our social media posts, you name it, uh, uh, consultations and close rates and all of these things, all of these things, they don't force us to look at human beings as transactions, but they do have a natural gravity in that direction. As soon as I can quantify, as soon as I want to quantify these things on a spreadsheet, I'm probably in the realm of viewing people as transactions. Now, does that mean we never quantify anything? No, it, it doesn't mean that. You you can, by the way, never quantify anything and still have a thriving business. You don't have to track a single thing. And that's very uncomfortable for people to realize and to talk about when we can talk about that in a minute, but you don't have to. But it also doesn't mean that you can't or that you definitely shouldn't. Sometimes it makes sense, you know, to to maintain an awareness of our relationships in some sort of format that looks like a spreadsheet. You know, it might be like, these are the people that I'm talking to. This is how many times I've talked to them. These are the, these are the follow-up activities that I'm engaged in. So it's not that tracking is inherently bad. We just want to be aware of its natural gravity. And its natural gravity is to push us away from in, uh, viewing people as individuals and toward viewing them as transactions. I think the hardest thing that we do in a one-on-one -on -one coaching business is to trust that as we water and fertilize these little seeds that we've planted, that they will bear fruit without our having to force anything. Gardening is more passive than mining. In gardening, you're allowing things to happen more than you're making them happen. You can plant and you fertilize and you can water, but ultimately, you know, the existence of a fruit is is a is a natural process that comes in its time and in its way, and you can't force it. With mining, you just keep churning into that mountain until you find the gold. It's a different mindset. So it's hard. It's when we are trying to get when we're seeking validation. When we're seeking validation through numbers, it becomes very hard to take a nurturing patient approach to our activities. And instead we shift into more active, aggressive approaches to try to create results instead of allowing results. And a one-on-one -on -one business, I think it's hardest part is watering, fertilizing, planting new seeds, and then being positive and patient while fruit grows, while plants grow and then when they and then when they bear fruit. But it always comes back in our business and in this paradigm, it always comes back to conversations. Conversations take a lot of forms. Sometimes, in fact, many times conversations are one-sided, not one-sided in a narcissistic or egotistical way, but you know, this podcast is is somewhere between a one-sided conversation and an asynchronous conversation. So I'm yammering on into this microphone right now. Some of you are here listening to it live. Most of you are not listening to it live. You're listening to a podcast feed. We're in a conversation. Some of you 
engage in that conversation by sending an email, an email to me afterward and saying, thank you for that episode. Here's what I learned from it. Here's what else I would hear. I'd love to hear you talk about. So it's still a conversation. It's still um, me engaging with you with an intent to build the connection that we have with each other. That's the water and fertilizer we're talking about. So as we get into more specifics about marketing and sales, I'm never going to present an anti-content message. That would be hypocritical of me. And also I think it's not sensible to take a, you know, a zero content approach, but it's always in the spirit of conversation and connection and watering and fertilizing, fertilizing and nurturing. When we invite, we harvest. So there are these conversations that we've been planting, we've been watering, we've been fertilizing. And at some point, because of our desire to serve and our desire to get paid and our desire to have a business, we extend a specific invitation. That specific invitation could be the invitation to a more formal coaching call that could be paid or unpaid. But it's a specific invitation that has a yes or a no associated with it. That's a harvesting activity. I like the harvesting um, metaphor though, because it's still not a forcing thing. And if it is, then you're going to end up with a bunch of, uh, you know, unripe fruit, right? Like if I go to my peach tree that I have in my yard and because I've decided I want a specific type of validation today, and that validation looks like me having a, a basket full of peaches in my kitchen, then I go out to that, I go out to that tree and I just start grabbing every peach off that tree, regardless of where it is in its process. So they're small, they're green, they're hard. They're not good peaches, right? But when I observe the tree and I say, that one's ready, I'm going to put that and take that one inside today. And I end up with a basket of peaches, but they're all perfectly ripe. That's what we're doing when we're inviting now, in a one-on-one -on -one coaching business, you you typically don't, you know, have a bunch of uh, relationships sort of ready to harvest and turn into paid coaching relationships at the same time. What it what it's more likely to look at is you'll be reviewing the list of people that you know and that you'd like to serve, and you see a name on a list and you say, "I'd love to reach out to her." I would love to engage with her, you know, in a, in a coaching relationship or him or them. If you're, if you're selling a group, because groups, small groups can be sold exactly the same way. They have basically everything in common with a one-on-one -on -one coaching business. If they're approached from in a gardening kind of way. So you're reviewing your relationships and you're saying, I would love to extend a specific invitation to her today. Just yesterday, I was talking to a client who has a very successful business. She's got a really successful business and she's moving from a mining business to a gardening business because she is by nature a gardener. And the mining approach felt completely unnatural to her, completely unauthentic to her. And so we're working together to move to a gardening approach. And she said, well, I have these things that I'm doing on these dates. You know, She works with people typically in, in smaller groups. And she said, so what do I do if I'm, if I'm gardening? What do I do? And I said, well, you don't launch. Launching is mining. Launching is not gardening. What you do is you announce the dates and you say, these are the dates that I'm doing the thing. 
And yes, you're still going to send that out to your email list. Yes, you're going to post it on social media. That, of course, that's part of the plan. The way you say it on social media and in content will be different if you're gardening versus mining because it won't have some of the word games in it that launching and that mining have in them, like you know some of the games we play with scarcity and with urgency and exclusivity that are sort of natural to the mining process and unnatural to the gardening process. So I said, you're still going to talk about it. You're just going to talk about it differently. And I said, but here's what I actually want to know. Let's say you want to have 10 people participate in that particular experience in February. I said, could you right now make a list of people that you would like to invite personally to participate in that experience? And she said, of course. I Yeah, I already have that list. I know who I want to come. And I said, that's fantastic. That's beautiful. Are you willing to reach out to them one at a time and extend a personal invitation to them? Yes. In fact, that sounds so fun. That sounds like me. That's how I want to do sales. Perfect. That's gardening. That's harvesting through direct personal invitations. The beauty of it is if the people that she invites because of timing or just desire, if they don't want to participate this time, it's not a problem. Maybe she runs that thing twice next year and they don't come to the first one, but they come to the second one. Or maybe they come to the one in 2024. When we're gardening, we never have to throw out like an individual plant. I got to be careful here so I don't completely overwork the metaphor. But these, these relationships are things that we can nurture and maintain and enjoy for years and years and years and harvest occasionally. Whereas in a mining paradigm, once I've dug up all the dirt in an area and I've pulled all the gold out of it, I leave because that mine is done. It's just now a pile of dirt. But when we're gardening, we don't ever have to do that. That's what I'm talking about when I say we inv when we invite, we harvest. By the way, sometimes we just find ripe fruit laying on the ground, ready to be eaten. In fact, I have had many, many experiences with clients over the years where they find ripe fruit laying on the ground, ready to be eaten. They pick it up. It's delicious. They enjoy it. And then they tell me that that fruit being there is a fluke, as though it appeared from nothing, that where there was nothing, now there's a beautiful ripe peach. As I say that, you know that's ridiculous. It had to come from a tree. And in the case of my clients over the years, what they're not connecting is that they planted, watered, fertilized the tree. And then they did such a good job of that, that this perfect fruit grew on the tree. And then they didn't happen to get to it in time and it fell. And they were able to just pick it up, it just sort of fell in their laps. That is part, that's what, that can happen with gardening. It happens often. In fact, I got an email in my inbox this morning from a person who said, I would love to coach with you. Can you let me know what that looks like? It would be very easy for me if I hadn't thought about these things in the way that I've thought about them over the years, it'd be very easy for me to look at that and say, that's a fluke. She appeared from nowhere, but she didn't appear from nowhere. It's a relationship I love. It's a relationship I care about. It's a relationship that I've maintained over the last many years. And today that email popped up and she said, I'd love to coach with you. If that's something we could talk about. That's part of the gardening process.
Now, by the way, does that happen for miners? Yes, it does happen for miners. Like, you know, miners just happen upon this giant gold nugget, nugget, nugget laying in the middle of the, uh, on the ground, right? So that happens too. So this isn't exclusive to gardening, but I think sometimes we as gardeners, our fear is that that can never happen. We think that we have to go dig up every coaching relationship we're ever going to have and force it and, 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 and optimize it and funnel it. And we just don't. And in fact, the longer we're in business and the more gardening we do, the less inviting will be required. We'll always be inviting, but the less inviting that will be required because people will renew their coaching relationships with us. They'll refer other people. And those referrals often look like fruit just sort of falling from the sky and landing in your lap. But these are all things that can and do happen to gardeners. There's just fruit there and you just get to enjoy it. Now, you could say, well, yeah, I mean, there's another type of gardening. It's called like industrial farming where, you know, in fact, as I was preparing this, I was thinking about uh, documentaries I've seen or at some, I, there's just like a, a video clip is popping into my mind of a machine that drives down rows of fruit trees and the machine has a way of reaching out, grabbing the fruit trees and shaking them so that all the fruit falls off the trees and comes into the machine. And then that's how they harvest it, right? Like it's this very industrialized, scaled process. And you know what? A lot of the food that ends up in my house comes to me through those processes. Whether or not I'm okay with that, I probably should consider. But this whole idea is that we are gardeners, not industrial farmers. So as soon as we start having thoughts that we need to build a machine that drives down the rows of fruit trees and shakes them so that all the fruit falls out, we've changed the game that we're playing. We're no longer playing a gardening game and we've switched to industrial farming. Now, by the way, there are coaches who very happily, successfully make that transition to industrial farming. I'm very happy for them. They do an enormous amount of good in the world. But as I've been saying throughout this series, once you make that move, you're not gardening anymore. You are an industrial farmer and you have to build your business around that industrialization. Whereas I literally have two peach trees in my yard. I will never have a third peach tree. That's not what I'm doing here. This isn't a peach farming operation. This is me enjoying peaches every other season or so. I'm a terrible peach person, <laughs> like our peach situation's a mess. But the idea is that I've got these two peach trees. We take care of them. We prune them here and there, get some peaches out of them every once in a while. And we really enjoy that. We're not an, indus an industrial peach operation. So as you are considering your business, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to approach my work? Ask yourself, is this a gardening activity or is it an, an industrial farming activity? Is it me thinking about planting individual seeds and then watering and fertilizing those and then harvesting one sort of one piece of fruit at a time? Or is it me thinking how I can plant a thousand trees and harvest a million peaches? It's just a different, it's a different paradigm. One is built on patience, um, trust, confidence, 
And I think it's the one that more of us that are tuning into this find appealing. We want to be gardening. We don't want to be in industrial farming. I'm going to ask this question. I want to, I want you to think about the question because I don't, I don't, I'm not sure yet what I think is the answer to the question that I want to pose to you right now. In this metaphor, what is the soil? Think about that for yourself. And maybe in our Q&A section, you're going to share some, I hope you'll share some thoughts with me about what is the soil. But as I was preparing for this call, I was thinking, well, maybe I, maybe we are the soil. And by that, I mean my character, my experience, my way of being, my tone of voice, my, my accent, my, uh, all of these things, all of the things that come together to make me, me, maybe those are the soil in which I plant the seeds of these relationships and then water and fertilize. I'm not sure yet whether I love that, but it could be useful. What, what it makes me think about then is that one of my main jobs, knowing what we know about how important soil is to the, to growing food. One of my main jobs is to make the foil, the soil fertile. It's my own personal development. It's, it's me working on my character, my attributes, my skills in interacting with other people. Maybe that's the soil. I like that. I like that pretty well. I'd be curious to hear if other people have ideas on what is the soil in this metaphor. But that's where I want to leave you today. I want to leave you with the idea, and it may just be sort of a faint image that you walk around with in your head now, that you're a gardener, not a miner. First and foremost, you're a gardener and not a miner. You are planting and watering and fertilizing and waiting and then harvesting patiently and thoughtfully. And that the, that the fundamental unit of the whole thing is a conversation. If we'll use that paradigm in considering what we do and how we do it, I think we're more likely to end up in a business that we enjoy, a business we're happy to have. Again, if we're people who want one-on-one -on -one coaching businesses, if you're a person who wants a scaled training business, you're a miner. So go be a great miner. But if you're a person who wants a one-on-one -on -one coaching business, good news, you don't have to worry about mining. You just have to do the hard work of gardening. And with that, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Some comments. Gardening includes waiting while mining does not. Thank you, Jill. My mindset about the clients should be my soil. I love it, Melissa. I totally agree. Lindsay says, I think the soil might also include how we feel and what we think about ourselves. 100%. Yes. Um, yes, I, I can't agree more emphatically. We, 
we we plant the seeds of these relationships in our um largely in our own beliefs about ourselves right big picture and also you know what's my mood today so absolutely right as far as i'm concerned who has who has uh comments questions anything we can talk about digging into digging into this this idea Sharon, I see your hand if you want to yeah. unmute. So I was just too lazy to type about the, the soil metaphor. I'm also thinking it's about laying out like who we are as a coach, as a person that will attract the right seed, which is, our, is the client. Mm -hmm. Because as we know, not all plants um, grow and thrive in sandy soil. Mm. so i'm kind of seeing that the the soil is like that the mix of fertilizer and the mix of the type of soil as to who you are going to attract that will then grow and thrive absolutely yeah yeah it's like the lighthouse metaphor you have to put kind of like put something out and see who is attracted by your light yeah yeah i love it I love it. And, and, um, I hope that as we all think about that, if, if we decide to think of ourselves as the soil, which seems like it, it could be useful. Um, we then realize that we're, we're, we're doing our personal development work, not in the spirit of getting or forcing it's in the spirit of becoming and knowing that we're preparing ourselves to be the environment in which these seeds can thrive. And for some reason that feels very different to me um, as a, as sort of a foundation for all my thoughts about my business and about my personal development. I'm not working on my personal development to solve some deficiency so that I can get the validation that money brings or is supposedly going to bring, which I don't think it actually does. I'm not, I'm not trying to change myself to get this external validation. I'm trying to become something in which other great things can thrive. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, Andalyn, I see your hand up. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Hi. Um, sorry, I'm trying to move the light better. Um, so I've been thinking about my person, like who I want to coach. And I chose a person, um, law, law enforcement wives. Mm. And you we were talking about conversations and nurturing. And I was thinking, these are not people that I interact with, at least in person, very often. Um, it's at least where I am with my husband's department. There's not very much like getting together, meeting each other, knowing each other. I've been to a couple of in-person, sorry, in-person events and nobody really came. They don't really come. And it's, um, I've just kind of been thinking through if I want to like sort of shift my focus. What I really want to coach on is relationships. That's what I really love. And um, because I, my experience um, 
I see the challenges in that are specific to law enforcement that other people may not really see. And that's why I picked this person. But obviously, like, all relationships have challenges, anything goes, like, the things that help law enforcement families can help anybody's families. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm having a hard time, I think, nurturing those relationships, because I can't find them and they're not talking and they're not responding back to like social media posts or that kind of thing. And I'm, I don't know, I would just like some feedback on like the specificity of your person that you're targeting in your marketing or in, in your just interactions, as far as like, how much does that even matter? If you're gardening, does it matter what, who you're planting seeds with is it tomato plants or like carrot plants or just plant all the plants then just kind of take what comes rather than say but i have to have tomatoes i have to have you see what i'm saying yeah totally and you know again i i think i'm at risk of sort of overworking my own metaphor here Mm -hmm. um because you might think well yeah i mean mark keeps talking about peaches and like that's well that's like his niche like it's and I, it, that's actually not how I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think picking a niche is more of a mining thing than it is mm-hmm. like a gardening thing. Okay. Um, maybe I'm going to come back later and disagree with myself. But what I observe in all the coaches I've interacted with over the years is picking a niche seems to be primarily about getting. Mm-hmm. And... I, I'm more curious to see people experiment with, I want to have conversations. I want to help where I can help. I want to see what grows in this fertile soil. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I will even have the intention of like, oh, I want to, I, I would love to serve this kind of person. But something that I feel pretty confident in saying after years and years now of observing coaches is that very few people are good at guessing the right niche. (laughs) I'm not sure I even could give you a good definition of quote unquote, the right niche. But what I do seem to see people do is they, um, they, they just, they say, I say, well, who's, what's your niche? And then they just describe themselves, but they don't say I'm just describing myself. And sometimes they'll be like hilariously specific to the point where you're like, I think you missed the point of what this process actually is. And I am personally not in favor of, of picking a niche at all. That's interesting. And I, however, I am, I can see how sometimes a niche emerges Mm -hmm. and is discovered. The closest thing that I can say when it comes to picking a niche is I think uh, when it comes to what we define as a niche, I think it's better to define a niche as a problem um, more than defining it as a person. Meaning yeah, I, I could tell 10 stories about pains that people face and how they solve those pains. Each of those stories could be a niche. But if I decide that it needs to be a specific person or a profile, now I have to guess that their particular identity matches well with 
my particular solution and how I communicate about it and their ability and willingness to pay for a solution and whether their um, uh, whether their understanding of the solution that I'm offering is is clear enough that they're willing to pay for it. So more often than not, when someone says I've, I'm picking a niche, I'll say, well, you know, you're, yeah, okay. You're rolling the dice and I don't see that payoff all mm -hmm. that often. Yeah, that makes sense. That's, I guess I sort of started out saying, I'll just kind of put stuff out there and see who comes and then let the niche emerge. And then there's all this, also all this, um, advice to pick something and get as specific as possible and then market to that person so that then they'll know what's for them and those kind of things. But and that's I all, hate what you're saying here. I appreciate the reminder. All of that is completely a training paradigm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Niches lend themselves well to training businesses. Yeah. Okay. Uh, conversations lend themselves well to coaching businesses. Yeah. So you even just said, I'm going to put some things out there and see what lands. Yeah. That sounds like a content approach to me. It sounds like you're probably talking about social media. Yes mm -hmm. or no? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And fine, nothing wrong with it. I think we can do a lot of uh, learning and experimentation with content publishing. I'm going to do a, a whole session on content and how I view it in a one-on-one -on -one coaching business. But if a person wants a one-on-one -on -one coaching business, all I want to ask them is, well, tell me about the conversations you've had in the last day, week, month. What did you talk mm -hmm. about? Was there any opportunity to extend an invitation uh, in the context of that conversation? But um, mm -hmm. like too often I've seen clients and clients and friends, clients who have become friends who are like, yeah, I publish on Instagram every day. I publish a new podcast episode every week. And um, <laughs> maybe, maybe it would hold with my metaphor. If I say they're just, they're running a garden hose onto concrete. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing there, but because they've been told you have to water and if you water, you'll succeed, but there hasn't been any converse, there hasn't been any lessons around soil or seeds. Content becomes that too often. So, and that usually flows from I have to pick a niche and get as narrow as possible. Also, so much content that's like quote unquote helpful content. It's training content. And it is, and it can be helpful, but it's not, it's not necessary. And sometimes it's not even helpful to having a coaching business, an actual coaching business. So, and I went on some tangents there and Indolin, but the biggest thing I would want to say to you is have conversations. Okay. Be like, Oh, that's hard. Yes. It's hard until it's not. So a person in their first couple of years of business would be like, I'm just struggling to have conversations with people. And then <laughs> after those couple of years, they're having more and more conversations and previous conversations are bearing fruit and previous conversations are leading to more conversations. And there is this uh, cumulative effect, this compounding effect. But because that's hard, people tend to be like, well, I'm just going to publish 8 million Instagram posts and then I'll feel like I'm at least doing something. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I relate with that. And it doesn't lead to anything in mm-hmm. such a high percentage of cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I appreciate the conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, anybody else I can chat with? Amber, my friend Amber raised her hand. I was going to say, I think Nicole beat me to the punch. You can do Nicole first. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Amber. Nicole, you got a hand up? Sure. I'll be quick. So I just put a couple quick things in the chat. One is, can you start out as just having conversations, but then end up becoming a resident tomato farmer because those you've had the conversation and that person shares it with someone else who shares yes. it with someone else and be, yeah. all of a sudden, those are the conversations you have over and over again. Yes. Okay. And in fact, it's funny because I just said, I think picking a niche more often than not leads nowhere, but I think that most businesses end up in some sort of a niche and that's, that seems kind of contradictory, but what ends up happening is the niche gets discovered. Yeah. And I, I, nine years ago, I had no idea I was going to end up being the, the, the bookkeeper for life coaches. It just happened that the first person who ever hired me was a life coach and she was a super connector. And a few months later I had 20 life coaches. Um, so yes, I think that can happen. And then we could have a long conversation about whether or not that's desirable to us, but yes, I think that's typically how it works. So totally unrelated to that. And I'll be super fast, but where, like, I for sure am a coach mentor for sure. It just is innate in me. And that is, that just sounds true to me. Mm. I have people all the time asking me about, um, a podcast. It seems like that would be a, um, teacher trainer type tool. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's just part of me that feels like, cause I have never had a desire to do a podcast. Mm. Do you ever see a podcast as being a gardener type tool or is that strictly teacher trainer? No, I totally do. Well, it is teaching and training, but, but it is watering and fertilizing. So I, and I kind of alluded to this earlier. Uh, I, I don't at this point, I mean, I don't have intentions to sort of have like a guy. I want one-on-one coaching clients and bookkeeping clients. Right. So those are sort of the two things that I, that I offer the world. Um, but I'm doing this podcast because I love to teach and train. Mm-hmm. And I think I have something to, I have something to give and it is nurturing relationships. People will, um, another email I got this week, for example, said, she said, Hey, loving the new podcast. It's, it, it's a way to keep your voice in my head because she's, we've worked together in a small group setting before. And so that that's a, like a real life example of watering and fertilizing your it's your, the podcast is just a way to keep your voice in my head. And she wants my voice in her head, fortunately. Um, so yeah, it it's all about, um, why we're doing what we're doing and whether it aligns with our bigger goals. So if you feel no desire to do to podcast, you could either work on developing that desire, or you could just accept that desire and be like, no, that's not the game. I don't want to do that. I want to be a coach mentor, but I'm going to do my gardening, my watering and fertilizing in other ways, which can work out completely fine. Yeah. 
Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Thank you. Great questions, Nicole. I think my head just exploded as I was hearing you describe all this, like, wait a minute, this is exactly how it happens. <laughs> when I started, I was like firm on my niche. I was like, this is what it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. And it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. It wasn't until last summer when I just stopped having a niche. And I was like, I'm just going to talk about what I care talking about that. Mm. Everything finally started clicking just, just an easy four years into my business. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, oh, people are actually coming now, but I'm curious. And speaking of like the watering and the planting and whatever, a client that I had in 2019, um, who was a sales client, he was in sales. He wanted to help with his mindset. Um, we worked together. He had great success. And then last year he quit his job and started teaching other people how to do it. And so he was like, well, you have to go work with Amber. She's my coach that helped me with imposter syndrome. And so he started referring people to me because of mm -hmm. those conversations. Mm -hmm. And now like my niche has presented itself to me <laughs> in helping people in tech sales. And suddenly like, everybody's like, well, where have you been all my life? <laughs> like, I'm like, I've been here this whole time. <laughs> yes. That's so good. You're like, no, I was here. I was yeah. me. I was ready. Yeah. Yeah. There's a magic to it. Yeah. There's magic to it. And I think we have to accept and embrace the magic. Um, and trust, trust that it's going to work out. But I also, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I feel like the piece that also changed is that I have finally started being consistent in my posting. I post mm. every day mm -hmm. and I feel like that maybe is a disconnect with your, I'm curious, like what your thoughts about, are about that. Cause I tell everybody, I'm like, well, the reason I wasn't successful before and I am successful now is because now I'm consistent. Oh, it's not that simple for me. Yeah. Um, it, but it, it's, it, for me, that would, that feels like a true, but incomplete answer. Mm. Um, because as you and I've talked about your work on LinkedIn and, and by the way, I hope to feature your work in a future episode on this, on this podcast, but yeah. yes, you did start to consistently plant water and fertilize, uh, within the context of LinkedIn. Um, but that's not the complete answer. You, you could not have, I don't think if Amber had dropped into LinkedIn four years ago and done uh, tactically the same thing that you're doing today, I don't believe it would have produced the same result. I was posting on LinkedIn four years ago. Ah. Like yeah. I've been posting on LinkedIn the whole time, but it wasn't until this year that like it started working. But yeah. I'm like wondering, like, I'm like, maybe I don't have a snake plant. Like my snake plant, I can water it once a month and it like still survives somehow. Yep. <laughs> like maybe I have like a very needy plant that like needs watering every day. Maybe, maybe. So this is, this is tricky. This is for me, this is kind of, it's not higher level as in more advanced, but it's sort of more nuanced. Mm. This conversation about how much watering and fertilizing is actually required. I do very little watering and fertilizing, I think. And every time you do, all of us are like, oh, I needed you in my life. I need your voice in my head. And my co I've been working with my own coach on this idea of consistency, because when I think about something like the beautiful business podcast, I simultaneously feel so much energy and I, it's so gratifying. It's rewarding. It's creative. I love it. And then if you're like, and you're going to do this for eight years, like my throat closes 
and I want to disappear. Like I can't, I can't. Mm -hmm. And my coach is working with me to say, Mark, you're going to do that podcast until one morning you're going to wake up and it's going to be complete for you. It's going to be over for you for now. And that's, that's you. And that's okay to be you. So she's working with me a lot on trusting. Like you could turn uh you could turn a, bar a gardening business into a mining business. If you decide that you have to do a certain thing, a certain way every day, forever. Mm. I don't want that business. I want to do something like the beautiful business podcast where I'm actually thinking, okay, well, how do I, how do I approach this? Well, one thing I do is I never make promises about how this is going to be here. Like I'm going to do this every week forever. In fact, I don't, I'm not even going to make promises that I'm going to do it every week now. Cause I'm not a person who keeps those promises historically. So that's one thing. Another thing is, um, I, I will at some point feel very comfortable saying, okay, there are 10 or six or 81 episodes of the beautiful business podcast. That is for now the complete canon. And then I will use technology in the form of my podcast host to maybe insert, uh, my podcast host allows me to insert dynamic audio if I want to. So I could put like a bump at the beginning of the episode and say, Hey everybody, Mark here. Yep. I published this episode four years ago, but I wanted to let you know that I'm doing this today. So go over here to check that out. Hmm. It's sort of a watering thing, even though I'm not having to necessarily create new episodes. So I'm thinking about how can I use technology to, and workflows to work with me and with my way of being instead of against me and against my way of being. Mm -hmm. But I'm just not a person who, unless I do significant work on this, these, these podcasts are like episode 491. I'm like, no, never, never going to do that. Never going to have episode never 491. I'm like, nope, too much. I can't catch up. Never going to do What's different about beginning balance? Is it that you're doing it with Jesse? It's like a fun, like, I completely, I've completely outsourced. So all of this that I'm saying, I've completely outsourced it. Because so uh, Amber's talking about my podcast that I do with my friend, Jesse Meekham called beginning balance it's about business finance. Some of the time um, it's both mostly just two buddies chatting. Jesse handles the post-production. My only job is to show up and chat with my friend that has never yet felt like work. Okay. Um, the day that Jesse said to me, Hey, can you, you know, like, I want you to edit 50% of these podcasts. I'd be like, I guess we're done. <laughs> we had a great run. I guess it's over. He would never do that because he knows me well. Also, he knows me well enough to know that you've probably noticed. I don't think we post and publish an episode every week like clockwork. Do we? I don't even know. It's the most consistent thing that you've done. But I think it's because. <laughs> which, is, which is a shockingly low bar to clear. But there'll be times where either he's traveling or I'm traveling and we're like, yeah, we're going to miss it. We'll do two. We'll record two one day, but it's like, he knows who he's working with. So he's not being particularly rigorous about, we have to get together and record because we're going to miss a week. So that sets us up for success too, because I'm not that guy. Never been yet. Anyway, 43 years in. I think it's something that you get to do, not something that you have to do. So it doesn't feel constraining. Okay. And what I want to say to you is a business you actually love for the long term has to be a business you get to do and not one that you feel like you have to do. Mm -hmm. 
because I will never be able to tell these stories in detail, but could share stories of people who make millions of dollars and are doing it a lot of the time now because they feel like they have to. And they get themselves out of it. And don't get me wrong, they do love their businesses, but a, at a certain point, a pretty decent percentage of their work is have to, not get to. And I'm not interested, not for millions of dollars. Thanks for the chat, Amber. I do look forward to, to uh, visiting with you in this format on your on your work on LinkedIn. I think there's a lot there for all of us. Yeah. If you're up for it. Yeah, always. Oh, Nicole says gardeners have seasons, seasons of growth and seasons of rest. This That's great. This needs to be a book, doesn't it? It needs to be a book. Somebody's going to have to write the book. I'm probably not going to do it. Um, anybody else I can chat with before we sign off today? Melissa, love to hear from you. So if you spend a lot of time trying to be a miner, then how do you shift and start focusing on being a gardener? Like, what does that look like? Um, just starting to reach out individually to anybody and everybody and it still kind of feels like mining yes if you um if you are approaching your work with the with the mindset of getting and does that land i hope that lands with everybody it's it's an attitude of getting i have to get a consultation i have to get a client i have to get followers if your mindset is a mindset of getting, you're already in a mining mindset. Uh, the Prosperous Coach, the book you'll hear me mention a billion times, a great line from The Prosperous Coach is, you already know enough people. And so it's counterintuitive for people who have taken a mining approach and who are operating in a mining community where all their peers are trying to mine and being told to mine. It's counterintuitive. <laughs> and every coach is like, get in here and I'll help you be a better miner. You can be a miner like I'm a miner, and then you'll be happy. It's different to say, to look through your contacts on your phone, for example, and just scan through it and say, I wonder how she's doing. I haven't talked to her in a while. And then to send her a text or call her and just be like, hi, I was just thinking about you. How are you doing? What's the, what's the latest with you? That is gardening. What it requires is for you to stop. I'm not telling you to scan through that contact list and say, which one of these people is going to hire for me, hire me for coaching. That is taking a transactional view of your contact list. That is mining. Gardening is who could I love in this list today? How could I love them? Who could I, which of these people could I, could I strengthen a bond with today? Now, by the way, I, I, I can't even claim great moral authority or authenticity with that. I'm not great at nurturing uh, relationships. If we're physically together and we're having a conversation, I am great. The minute we're out of each other's eyesight, I'm off on Mars. But that's my way of being in it. And it does work for me you got to figure out what your way of being is as it relates to nurturing relationships and then trusting 
that nurturing relationships while developing yourself as a coach is going to produce coaching relationships. It takes patience and confidence on a level that most of us can't bear. So we go back to mining. Ooh, maybe my last thought, any, any follow-up from you, Melissa? I'm sorry. I don't, I'm, I'm rambling and not letting you flesh out your own thoughts. No, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I will tell you all that, oh, I have a friend. Oh, I hope I get to feature her on this podcast. There's so many good stories that I want to bring to the surface. I have a friend who joined a coaching program and that was a mining program. A hundred percent. It was a hundred percent mining. And the coach was constantly on the participants cases about advertising, advertising, advertising. You have to get your ad spend up, get your ad spend up, get your campaigns going. And then meanwhile, this friend and I are just chatting as we do. And I'm, and I'm saying to her, not even knowing about the other coaching program, I was saying to her, well, the number one thing I would tell you not to do is advertise. So she's getting completely contradictory messages from her paid coach and from me. And she's like, okay, tell me about it. Tell me about not advertising. And I said, look, you are great with relationships. You have so much to offer. And speaking of, of her being the soil, she had been through it personally. You know, what's funny. Whoever writes the book, uh, manure is so good for fertilizing soil. And that seems relevant. That seems like, anyway, she'd been through a lot and she, she had developed relationships. She has and had a podcast where she added a lot of value. And I said, I think you have all the pieces in place that what you need to do is just continue to be you and be patient and extend authentic invitations. And I think it's going to be fine. She's like, all right, well, maybe we'll give that a shot. And then we didn't talk for, I don't know, six months, eight months, nine months. It was a while. And to be clear, like our friend Amber earlier, she had been working for years. So this wasn't, I mean, this was an overnight success story, four or five years in the making. This wasn't like one week to the next, but we didn't talk for six or eight or nine months later. And I caught up with her again. Hey, what's the latest? How's business? She's like, oh, I'm just honestly like, it's, <laughs> I'm too busy. I'm full. And I'm thinking of, like, maybe I have to switch to groups. So she had switched to a whole new set of problems. And they were the problems of success. And I said, that's funny. I guess, I guess you don't need to advertise, huh? She's like, that's funny. I forgot. I even, I forgot. I even used to worry about that. She had never started advertising. She had never ramped up her ads. She just kept being her, kept watering and fertilizing, extending invitations, filled a one-on-one, -on -one, like filled her one-on-one -on -one calendar, started offering groups. And then in one of our more recent conversations, she's like, I like one-on-one -on -one better, but I keep filling these groups. So maybe I need to offer more groups. I mean, she is now fully in the thick of the problems of success, which is where we all want to get, right? We want to be dealing with those, the challenges of success. It all came from planting seeds, watering and fertilizing. That's what I think that's what we're after. I think we're, I think, I think we want to be gardeners. And with that, I will leave you all until next week, unless I don't show up next week. And let's be honest, there's always that possibility, but I think I will. And I'm looking forward to it. So have a great week. Please share the podcast with a friend. If you've got a friend you think could benefit from it. 
and I'll talk to you in the next one. See you guys.